Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Well, it's Christmas time again, and we are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, that time in history when God sent His Son to this earth to be born of a virgin so that He could ultimately uh, not only live a sinless life Himself, but take our sins upon Him and die on that cross to pay for our sins so that we could one day go to heaven and be with God. After Jesus died on that cross, of course, he was buried. Three days later, he came up out of that grave in resurrection power, and he has conquered death. He's conquered the grave. He's conquered hell itself, so that those of us who place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins can be right with God. We can have peace with God. And so as Christians, we have a lot to celebrate this time of year. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. And yet with all the different things going on during December, our schedules are so busy, sometimes it's, it's easy really for us to forget uh, what we're celebrating, and that is Jesus Christ. And so as we think about Jesus coming to this earth and all the things he's done for us, have you ever stopped to think about how your life would be different had Jesus not come to Bethlehem? Had Jesus just remained in heaven with his Father and, and not come to earth? Have you thought about how your life would be different? Well, first of all, had Jesus not come to Bethlehem, uh, your sins would never have been forgiven, and they never would have been atoned for, and neither would mine. We would have the responsibility of paying for our sins had Jesus not come to the earth to pay our sin debt for us. Not only that, had Jesus not come to Bethlehem, uh, we would not have peace with God. God would be uh, so far removed from us, and our sins would be a great barrier between us and God. But because of Bethlehem, because of what Jesus has done for us, we can have peace in our hearts. I love that verse in the Bible. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 1, it says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now you think about that for a moment. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and for the salvation of your soul, that means that you are in a state of peace with God. It's kind of like the war with heaven is over. You say, now what do you mean the war with heaven? Well, I mean before you got saved, uh, the Bible says you were an enemy of God because the sins had separated you from God, and that same thing had been true for me before I got saved. But because of our faith in Jesus Christ, now we can have peace with God. Not only that, because of Jesus coming to this earth, we can have not only peace with God as a, as a condition, but we can have the very peace of God in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. And the Bible says that he gives us peace that passes understandings, uh, or passes all understanding, rather. You know, as we go through difficulties in life, things can shock us and, and break our hearts, and, and things can cause us to be anxious and worried and stressed out, and they can even cause us to panic. But as Christians, with the Holy Spirit living in us, he has a way of bringing us back 
to that place of peace, that place of rest in our hearts. And without the Holy Spirit living in us, we wouldn't have that. And then something else that we have because we're Christians and we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we have his guidance in our lives. The Holy Spirit helps us when we're trying to make decisions, when we're trying to know what to do. Now, we certainly are thankful for the Bible. Probably 90% of the things that we'll ever need to know about and maybe that number's high, but many of the decisions we make in life have already been determined in Scripture. God has already told us what to do. But there are a lot of other things in life that we have to decide on that we're not going to find in the Bible. If you're trying to decide whether to work for one company as opposed to another company, you're not going to find a verse in the Bible that says go with Pepsi instead of Coca-Cola. It's just not in there. If you're trying to decide whether to live in Texas or Florida, well, you're not going to find a verse in the Bible that tells you which state. So how do you know? There are a lot of decisions we make in life. You're trying to decide who to marry or if you should marry. You're not going to find uh, the specific answer to that question in the Bible. We have to have the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and to show us. And so in today's sermon, my father is going to be sharing with us some very practical ways that the Holy Spirit guides us to make decisions. And today, as you're listening to this, maybe you're trying to make a decision yourself, and you're trying to know, what should I do? Keep in mind, friend, if you're saved, the Spirit of God is living in you, and He will guide you. And I pray that this sermon will help you know some of the practical ways that He does that. In John chapter 16, we're picking up in the middle of a conversation that Jesus had with the disciples after they had left the upper room walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. So as they were walking along, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 5, I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Well, understandably so. The disciples had been with Jesus in a very intimate way for three years. And now all at once, he's telling them again what he has already told them. He's going to be leaving them and going from them. Well, obviously their hearts were filled with sorrow. But in verse 7, Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. He said, look, guys, you're going to be better off with me gone than you would be if I stayed. He said, for if I do not go away, the helper, if you're a Bible underliner, underline that word helper, the helper, the Greek word is parakletos. It could be translated helper, comforter, advocate, uh, intercessor. It's talking about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. That is the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 13, Jesus went on to say, however, when he, that is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And if you underline those little words, guide you. That is one of the functions, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. Now listen carefully. In Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit lived among God's people. But at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, he came down to live in God's people. It's very, very different. In the book of Romans, you might jot the verses down and look later, but in Romans chapter 8, 
in verses 9 and 11, the Bible teaches us that the Spirit of God dwells in us. And the Bible says, if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, then you are none of His. So when you prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, make you a Christian, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit Himself, came to live inside of you. It is a remarkable, remarkable thing. And you say, well, what, what, what does he do? I mean, he, he lives in me. Well, one of the things he does, he guides his people. And for all of that to happen, think about it. Before, before the Holy Spirit could come down, Jesus had to ascend back into the heaven. In other words, before Pentecost, there had to be the ascension. Before the Holy Spirit could come down, Jesus had to go up. But before Jesus could ascend back to heaven, there had to be the resurrection. And then, before the resurrection, there had to be the crucifixion. And before the crucifixion, there had to be the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. So you just see the progress of the whole thing. He came to Bethlehem, later the crucifixion, then the resurrection, then the ascension, and then what? Then comes the Holy Spirit of God down to dwell in the believers. It is a marvelous, marvelous thing. And one of the things he does, he guides us. Now that little word guide that you see in verse 13, that word literally means to show you the way, to show you the way. It's translated here in one word, guide, G-U-I-D-E. But the, the idea of the word is to show you the way. That's what a guide does. A guide shows you the way. You hire a guide, what does he do? He shows you the way. Well, that's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. He shows us the way. Now, here's the question. How does the Holy Spirit guide you? The Bible is very clear. He dwells in you, and one of his functions is to guide you. Well, how does he do that? Well, if you'll take your bulletin, we're going to deal with that this morning in a rapid way in the little time we have. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit guides us is by his word. You have it in your hand by the Bible. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Bible says over in Peter that no prophecy is of the will of man, but uh, godly men, men of God, move, uh, they, they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So one of the ways the Bible guides you and guides me is here. He guides us by his word, by the very word that he wrote, that he spoke to the men that did write. That is how he does that. Now, we could give illustration after illustration after illustration of that. Uh, I think of that verse as do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, the Holy Spirit inspired that verse to be written. It's in our Bible. And that verse is to guide us. And that does not mean that unbelievers should not, that believers should not associate with unbelievers. That would uh, be the very opposite of what God put us in the world to do. As we interact with unbelievers, we have an opportunity to share our faith. What that verse is talking about is intimate relationships. One of those would be marriage, like uh, a, a Christian marrying a non-Christian. It normally doesn't work out very well. Now, you know, when they fall in love, they say, well, I know he's not a believer, but I'm going to share Christ with him and lead him to the Lord, or I'm going to share Christ with him and lead him to the Lord. 
That sometimes happens, but it's the exception. And, and the reason it's the exception doesn't work out very well if the unbeliever marries a believer. And then in, as in all relationships, there come issues and the believer is going to settle his or her issues based on what the Word of God teaches. The unbeliever, they don't believe this is the Word of God, so they're not going to the Bible to settle their issues. So they're, they're trying to solve problems, but they don't even have the same standard by which to solve the problem. John talked about tithing. The Bible says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse. Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees that you should tithe, but don't neglect the weightier matters of the law. So what happens? That's the counsel of the Holy Spirit to guide us. Well, people come up with all kinds of reasons why they can't tithe. Some say things like, well, as soon as I get all my bills paid, get all out of debt, then I'm going to be a tither. Mark it down. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. They're going at it their own way. They're not going at it God's way. God blesses when we let his spirit guide us. A second way the Holy Spirit speaks is by directly speaking to our hearts. By directly speaking to our hearts. I think over in the book of Acts in chapter 16, the Bible says the Holy Spirit forbid Paul and Silas and Timothy from going to Asia to preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit said, no, stop. You're going that way. I want you to go a different way altogether. Now, all of us in our lives, if we stop and think about it, have had the experience of the Holy Spirit of God directly speaking to our heart. For example, that's how I became a Christian as a boy. The Holy Spirit directly spoke to my heart, and I realized that God was saying something to me. This is how you became a Christian. You may not remember the date, nor the day, nor the hour, but you will remember if you're a Christian, when you felt the Holy Spirit speak to your heart, that you needed to pray and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, come in your life and make you a Christian. This is how I knew to be a minister. I was in the business world. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to my heart. It was a process of time. Made it very clear to me. I was to leave everything I was in, and God had called me to be a minister. So you, you've had these same kind of experiences. Maybe not to be a minister, but in other things you've done in your life. Those are precious times when the Holy Spirit of God speaks directly to our heart. This is how I knew 30 years ago to leave the First Baptist Church in Sulphur Springs, Texas, to come be the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Now, the pulpit committee for months had said to me, we feel God has led us to you to come to our church and be the pastor. And they were so patient with me. And they, they were sensitive that I was trying to, to know what God wanted me to do. But here was a situation. I had to have a word from God. I couldn't rely on five people to tell me what God told them I'm supposed to do. I needed God to tell me what I'm supposed to do. And as the months went on, one Thursday afternoon, I've shared this story before. I'll not share it again for time's sake. But the, God directly spoke to my heart. I had not even been thinking about this church. It was dismissed in my mind. And God made so crystal clear to me. This is what you're to do. It is amazing. It is a wonderful thing. You know, this is this series of sermons that I've shared, how it kind of came. 
I didn't realize at the time, but back in the last of May, God directly spoke to my heart about this sermon theme. What difference would it make if Jesus had not come to Bethlehem? And then the little four bullets under. All of that, God spoke directly to my heart. Interestingly, this morning, I got up about 4.45, and I thought before I looked my sermon over one final time, I best... I best have my quiet time with God. So I got my Bible, and I read my proverb of the day. Then I went back in the book of Psalms and saw where I had left off yesterday. And I said, well, let me read some Psalms, and then I'm going to move over and read in Matthew. I'm reading through Matthew this month. But in the book of Psalms this morning, I'm just reading along. Now, like, you know, I've read through the Psalms numbers of times in my Bible, they're just all marked up. So I'm just reading along, nothing. And all, all of a sudden, I come across Psalm 86, verse 12. Psalm 86, verse 12. I've read the verse many times. It's, it's underlined in my Bible. It's highlighted in my Bible. But this morning, when I got to that verse, it just, like, it jumped off of the page. It, it's an amazing. It's, the verse says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. And it was just like the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, this verse is to be your new life verse beginning January. Now, my life verse since September the 17th, 2014, I've had the same life verse. Psalm 16, verse 8. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord, and with him in my right hand I'll not be shaken. That's NIV. I've memorized that verse out of the NIV. I won't go into when God spoke to my heart about that verse, but that verse has been... It's been my life verse. I, every day I pray that verse. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him I write him and I'll be shaken. This morning, God's, the very thing I'm preaching happened to me this morning. God said, you are now going to have a new life verse starting in January. And here's what it is. So I got me a little card. I have it with me. I wrote it down to help me begin memorizing the verse. And I thought, my gracious, I am experiencing what I shall soon be preaching this very morning. I was not looking for a new life verse. I was happy with my old life verse. But God said, nope, new for you. And I bless the Lord for that. All of you have had times in your life where the Spirit of God about some decision or something God wanted you to do would speak directly to your heart. That is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit guides us. Now, another way the Holy Spirit guides us is by closing doors and then sometimes by opening doors. I go back to Acts chapter 16. The Holy Spirit forbid Paul and Silas and Timothy to go to Asia. He closed that door. But then he opened the door and sent them to Macedonia. And in your life, and many times in my life, God has opened doors and God has closed doors. Now, let me say a little word about God's closing doors. Here's something this is just my own conviction. I don't have a Bible verse to say this is the truth, but I, it's my conviction. 
My conviction is when God closes a door, he's going to later at some point open a better door. And if I had time, I could illustrate that in my own life. But let me say a couple of words of wisdom about this matter of opening doors and closing doors. You might want to jot them down. First of all, listen carefully. You guard against opening doors. Let God open the doors. I see that oftentimes in, in, in the profession I'm in, ministry. Preachers trying to open a door to this place and open a door to that place and open a door to yonder place. Look, let God open the doors. I've seen it in the business world. Men trying to climb the ladder, move up the line, get the bigger job, and we do this to open a door. Look, just let God open the doors. He'll open the doors at the right time in the right way. Second, this is very, very important. Trust God with doors he closes. That's hard to do. Could I ever illustrate that? But here's my testimony on that. As I look back in my life at doors God closed that broke my heart at the time, those turned out to be some of the best blessings in my whole life. And man, could I tell some stories at that. I didn't like it when the door closed. But what I didn't know was that broken heart of that door closing would later turn out to be one of the great blessings of my life. And then the Holy Spirit guides us by the voice of another Christian. The Holy Spirit guides us. How does he guide us? Well, he guides us by his word. He guides us in these ways I've mentioned. But sometimes he guides us by the voice of another Christian. I think of that verse in Hebrews that says, Do not forsake yourself from sin together other believers. That's, that's why it's important we go to church. We have an advantage over those who can't come. Now, they can watch it. But what they miss, they miss the interaction with people. How many times when I've been around other believers, somebody will just say something, they might have no idea that what they have just said is helping me with something over here. Now, you've had the same kind of experiences. You know, the Bible says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Oh, I've, this morning... If time permitted, I could tell you, and I would just use all of those who are now with the Lord in my 30 years in this church, men and women who are now with Jesus, that through these years, they've just said a little something. They've given a little advice. They've just made a little comment. And at the moment, it seemed kind of routine. And then later on, I thought, wow, God used what that person said to guide me. The Holy Spirit is guiding me through what that other person has said. I want to encourage you, hang around godly people. Hang around godly people. And number two, listen to what they say. At the moment, it may not be so profound, but later on, it may be the most profound thing you've ever heard. You know, as I think about this whole matter, the Holy Spirit guides us. Listen, the Holy Spirit does guide us. And I've mentioned ways he guides us. But here's the icing on the cake. Listen. He also, 
He dwells in us to guide us. He empowers us. He gives us the courage. He gives us the faith to do what God has purposed that we do in our life. That's the great thing. The Holy Spirit. You know the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit? He's always present. He's always present. And not only that, the Holy Spirit is your greatest counselor. He's your greatest counselor. And not only that, the Holy Spirit loves you no matter what you've done. Not only that, the Holy Spirit never makes a mistake. And not only that, the Holy Spirit can change every area of your life that needs to be changed. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message and many others on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.